Hello, and welcome to ROE 17 Pod. My name is Molly Allen, and I am the Assistant Regional Superintendent of Schools for ROE 17. Today, joining me is Dr. Lindsay Jensen. Dr. Jensen is the Early Career Development and Student Director for the Illinois Education Association. She is also the 2018 Illinois Teacher of the Year, a former high school English teacher and former academic dean. She has delivered over 100 keynote speeches and is a fierce advocate for education. Let's jump into our conversation with Lindsay. First of all, Dr. Jensen, if you could tell us about your experience as Illinois Teacher of the Year. I think some of us, including myself, used to think of it as kind of an honorific, but it's much more involved than that. So could you explain what it is and what doors it opened for you? Sure. Wow. What a question. (laughs) So I guess I'll start with, you know, I, I didn't even know there was an Illinois Teacher of the Year when I was named Illinois Teacher of the Year for 2018. And so I'll start there. That That's how unprepared I was to be the Illinois Teacher of the Year. I didn't even know there was an Illinois Teacher of the Year. It was an experience that, well, it is an experience that continues to evolve and it has changed my life for the better um, in terms of, you know, my advocacy for education and which I'll talk a little bit about here in a minute. But It all kind of came to fruition as a result of the work I was doing in my classroom, partnering. I was the student council sponsor, and we had special Olympic athletes who were state qualifiers who, to make a very long story short, they didn't have all of the equipment they needed to practice. And so I'm always, I've been an educator who likes to pose questions and problems to students, followed up by like, what are we going to do about this? And my student council, we partnered with the local police department in our community, our small rural community of Dwight, Illinois. And we had a fundraiser where we raised thousands of dollars for our Special Olympic athletes so that they would have the equipment they needed to practice for their Special Olympic events. And then we participated in the Polar Plunge to raise money for Special Olympics. And all of these, all of these things collectively just kind of had this snowball effect where our community started getting really involved with elevating our Special Olympic athletes and ensuring they had what they needed to be successful. And as a result of all of that work with my students, my students and our chief of police actually nominated me to be the Illinois Teacher of the Year. So ISBE every year has the Those Who Excel Banquet, where they at the time used to name the Teacher of the Year at the banquet. And, uh, you know, I showed up and thought I was going to have a free meal and a a, a night to get dressed up with with my husband. And as it turned out at the end of the night, my name was called and I was just a complete deer in the headlights. And honestly, looking back, it's like laughable to me how little I knew about how much that moment was going to change my life. But it really did, not just professionally, but personally. So as a result of that, you are basically the ambassador for Illinois educators for an entire year. We got to do a week of professional development at Google and learn all about they what they were doing um, for education. This was all pre-COVID, mind you. And we went to the White House. You meet the president. We go to the Department of Ed. Basically, I think educators, we become kind of accustomed to paying attention to the things that are happening within the four walls of our classroom and really, you know, paying attention there because that's where we create the climate and the weather. And sometimes because we're constantly pushing the boundaries of what a 24-hour day can hold and because we don't always get invited to sit at the proverbial table, we don't always get to engage in advocacy at that level. And it was a full year of 
really just engaging in advocacy. And, you know, the truth is I won the lottery. And as a result of that, I got to sit at a lot of really important tables, but it led to a lot of my additional work, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But, you know, I always say I was not the best teacher in the state that year. I wasn't the best teacher in my district, in my region, in my building. But I fiercely and unapologetically advocate for educators and students and for ensuring that they have all that they need to create affirming spaces for students and their families. And it was a crash course in advocacy, truly. I did a lot of writing and was really just felt honored to be the the only teacher in a lot of spaces. And I learned a lot about policy. It's funny the year before I was named, if you had said, you know, what are your thoughts on ed policy? You ever want to get involved? And I was like, Ugh, no, no, never, never. And I learned that, you know, we might not want to get involved in policy, but policy is going to impact our classrooms. And so while the policy world isn't for everyone, I learned very quickly that in order to make change that is positive for educators and students, we need educators in those spaces and we need teachers. You know, we're the most uniquely positioned to contribute to conversations which impact our students. And so we need people who are willing to engage in those conversations. And so to summarize, it was a year of learning about all of the different stakeholders in education, both at the state and the national level. And I learned a lot. I had a lot of missteps, but we had a lot of wins too. And it was a full year of just learning about advocacy and learning about the importance of teachers as advocates and leaders. That's fantastic. And when we think about teaching and, you know, you and I share that passion for our career and mm-hmm. and we also have learned the importance of policy, but now, you know, we are all experiencing a teacher shortage. And mm-hmm. I have to be honest, it's, it's shocking to me because mm-hmm. I remember when I first started as a teacher, it was very, very competitive to even get an interview in some places and now it's just such a different, I keep saying it's kind of like the wild, wild west, because it's certainly not the environment that we started our careers in. So with that teacher shortage, you have kind of developed a passion with Educator Rising. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about your work with Ed Rising? I would love to. So I learned about Ed Rising during my year as Illinois Teacher of the Year, one of the really cool things I got to do was I got to travel to different states because my platform pretty early on, I pre-COVID, mind you, and pre, you know, all the, the shortage challenges we're currently experiencing, I really feel like this is the most noble of noble professions. And I was an alternative pathway into education person. I actually got my bachelor's degree in speech communication. I thought I wanted to be a speech writer for politicians. And then I learned that working with kids was much more fun. And so um, I ended up getting a master's in secondary ed, English language arts. And that's what fueled my, started my career in, in education. But I always used to think, you know, what if someone had tapped me in high school and been like, hey, have you ever considered being a teacher? You know, and I wonder, because now people who know me, it's so in it's just so in my blood and in who I am that I I really think 
it's so remarkable to me that I didn't consider teaching in high school as a career path. And so during my year, I, I wanted educator recruitment to be part of my platform, but not just because of my own experience. But when we started, I started learning a lot about teacher recruitment efforts in Illinois and learned that there were really great things happening in pockets throughout the state, great work being done in Grow Your Own programs. But when I started engaging in policy and oftentimes was the only teacher in a room full of stakeholders who were having this conversation about Illinois educator recruitment, you know, my first question was, where are all the teachers in this conversation? Because again, we are the most uniquely positioned to market, so to speak, the joys of our profession to young people. And when I learned about educators rising during my year, that was the thing that was kind of the selling point for me. I, I learned about it out in California where they were piloting some of the curriculum in this high school classroom where I got to sit in for a day and watch this incredible teacher teaching intro to ed curriculum to juniors and seniors. And I got back to Illinois and had a lot of questions for, you know, and I talked to a lot of the, my friends at ISBE and I learned a lot. And ultimately my number one goal with Educators Rising Illinois has been if we want to increase teacher recruitment, but most importantly in the process of doing that also be intentional about the diversifying of our profession we need to ensure that every community in Illinois has what they need in order to start their own Grow Your Own program. And that just wasn't the case. There wasn't this equitable statewide collective approach to teacher recruitment at the time. And so I learned a lot about CTSOs. That was our first step was we created um, with my Illinois State Teacher of the Year friends. We partnered with Ed Rising to start Ed Rising Illinois and became a CTSO, a career and technical student organization through the State Board of Education, which was a, a process. And we have been a recognized CTSO, which opened up Perkins funding for schools if they wanted to purchase the curriculum, but I wasn't done. I was like, I don't want schools having to, not every school has a professional grant writer, right? Who can access Perkins funding. And I started engaging in conversations around, you know, what would it take to purchase a statewide license to this curriculum? And Ed Rising was kind of like, well, we've never done that before. You know, you would be the first state to do that. And I was like, okay, well, let's let's talk. And you know, again, I'm, I'm a teacher in the classroom. I know nothing about a lot of the things I'm now talking about. And I'm just kind of learning as I go. And um, we settled on a number for a statewide license for two years. We got state funding for $400,000. And we used every dime to purchase a statewide license to the curriculum. And so now every public school has access to this curriculum, which I, don't even get me started talking about the curriculum because this will be a 40-minute episode, just me talking about the Ed Rising curriculum. But it is curriculum that was written by, by teachers, for teachers. I know a lot of the teachers. Um, it's aligned to national board teaching standards. There are a million things that I loved about the curriculum, but mostly I love the opportunity and the potential to get intro to ed curriculum into all of the schools that needed help developing their own grow your own programs. And so that's what we did. And so every school has access to ed rising curriculum through the 2023-2024 school year. And then we're going to hopefully do some renegotiating and continue that statewide access. But if we don't get that, then schools do have access to Perkins funding to continue access to the curriculum. But, you know, I taught at a small rural school where they didn't have the option to incorporate a course, you know, as, as an elective course of sorts. So we also have great work happening just as a club model. A lot of our 
friends in Southern Illinois, there is a Southern Illinois Future Teachers Coalition where they have club models in small rural spaces where they can't have the course uh, as offerings and they can't fit that into their schedules. They just have a club model where they're doing great work and partnering with institutions to create equitable ed pathways for students. And so my final thing I'll say about Ed Rising, which is probably a lie because I'm sure I'll talk about it again, but we had our first state conference last year. Um, had about 350 to 400 students, and we were really proud of that, which took place at ISU. And this year was our second conference, and we had 800 high school students in attendance at our conference in March. And just can't even, I can't even tell you what that felt like, but to say that we have grown exponentially in the last year would be an understatement. And we are confident that we are getting the supports in place as we continue to grow, to continue to support young people in Illinois who want to explore teaching as a career option. And so I'm very proud of all the work that we've done. Um, and there have been so many stakeholders who have helped to advocate for funding in Illinois. I'm now the director of early career development for the Illinois Education Association. And so IEA continues to support our efforts in that work. And I'm very grateful for that. Thank you. And I, I do have to say, I, I've been the beneficiary of that work <laughs> because our office actually coordinates a CTE grant with, mm-hmm. and we work with Ed Rising and we've been to the conference and everything you said is absolutely true where it really is making an impact and it is quality curriculum. So thank you so much. That. I appreciate that. We thank can, you. Really experience your efforts. When we think about the future of education, what can our communities do to support public education and what changes or experiences would you like to see? Wow, I love this question. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do a big picture here. And you know, I think a lot about how COVID has impacted education. We know that it has it's shined a bright light on a lot of the inequities, which educators have known have always existed in our schools, right? And so now I think. One of the things I'm really passionate about and have always been passionate about is one of the things that I feel we've seen a real deterioration of or a real breakdown of in the midst of COVID. And so stay with me on this journey. But I feel, you know, family and community engagement, schools are the epicenters of their communities. And I've always felt that as educators, one of the most sacred phenomenons in education it really is, you know, the relationships that we have with students, with their families, and with within with the communities in which we teach. And I feel like in the last two years, you know, I have to be honest, I, I'm a, an eternal obnoxious optimist. And so I was still in the classroom year one of COVID. And I saw that while I was disheartened by all of the things that were not you know, the status quo and, and normal, so to speak, about education and not having my students in person every day and having to go remote and virtual, you know, ever the optimist, I, I tried to see the bright side. And I really saw it as an opportunity for families to experience what it is we do in our classrooms each day, even though it didn't look like, you know, our typical classroom setting. This was an opportunity for families and to, to kind of get a, a firsthand look at what it is. What are the conversations that we're having, you know, in our classrooms? What are we reading? What are we talking about? What are the essential questions we're pondering? And how are we trying to get kids to think critically about the world and w- the world in which they live? And I was excited and I guess optimistic about that. And 
unfortunately, in the midst of all of this, as there were debates for the last, however, what, three, four years about COVID and vaccines and in-person or virtual and remote, and there was just so much polarization that happened while we were still trying to figure out how to teach kids in this, this unconventional environment that we were all experiencing in real time, I feel there've been some real entities that have, that seek to, to really capitalize off of this division and this contributing to a distrust between educators and families. And so at a time when I was really excited about, you're really going to get to see what we're doing in the classroom. And I think I've talked to so many families who, you know, who say, gosh, I was just, I, I had no idea the links, you know, teachers go to, to keep kids engaged and involved in the curriculum and the content. And all of those conversations have been extremely positive and uplifting of our profession. Unfortunately, what we see in the media and what we see playing out is this this division and this cultivating of distrust between educators and families and communities. And I, as someone who still travels frequently, travels the state and is in lots of different environments and communities and school buildings, that is just not what I see happening. I see a really beautiful rebuilding of, you know, what schools and communities can look like and how we can best support all students and ensure everyone's having equitable access to opportunities and to high quality education. And so my response would be, I think this is a time for schools to capitalize. And and, and not everybody's going to love what I say here, but I do think it is our responsibility as educators to help contribute to those positive relationships with students and families. And sometimes that requires extra effort and a little more on our plate, but the payoff is immeasurable. And I think, you know, I refuse to contribute to any kind of this us versus them rhetoric, you know, with educators and families. I don't think any of it's good for kids and any of it's good for students. When we surround students, when they know they are supported both at home and in school, and when we as educators make the extra attempt to ensure that families know they that their expertise about their children is of great value to us and helps us do our jobs better. If they know that, you know, not all families had positive experiences in school and consequently they don't always feel like equal stakeholders in their child's education or like they're welcome to contribute to, you know, the conversation about what's best for their kids. And so I think we have to go that extra mile to ensure families feel an equal valued part of their child's education. And I think that's how we combat a lot of this negative rhetoric that's, that's because again, there is a concerted effort that is benefiting from this divisiveness. I refuse to give in to any kind of that us versus them mentality. I think what the shift I would like to see is I would like to see schools and communities reject that narrative and really dig in at this time to reevaluate what does family and community and school engagement look like? What can it look like? We have to stop looking at things as they are and imagine them as they could be. And so I think this is a time when we're all rebuilding. And one of the things we need to prioritize is rebuilding those relationships with students and their families so that everybody feels a part and everybody feels as though they're equal stakeholders in each child's education. 
Thank you. And I think you and I both have the experience now of being in education long enough to know, you know, those relationships do last well beyond our time in the classroom. And, you know, I'm old enough now that many of my students are adults and I'm the child of an educator too. So getting to see those lifelong relationships is huge. And you're right to focus on those positive stories because I think all so many of us do have those positive stories and positive relationships. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we really appreciate your time and thank you for joining us today. And we will definitely have to have you come back and talk about some of these issues more in depth. So thank you, Dr. Jensen. Thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate it. And thanks for all the work you're doing. It doesn't go unnoticed. Thank you for joining us for another episode of ROE 17 Pod. To learn more about ROE 17, please visit www.roe17.org or follow us on our social media channels. ROE 17 Pod is produced and edited by Victoria Padilla. We hope that you join us for our next episode.